Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to episode 5 of the podcast. Just a couple quick announcements to get out of the way before we get started here. First off, and most importantly, major news here. Next week, episode 6, Internal Budget, will have its very first guest. What? A guest on Internal Budget? Unheard of. Yes, it's true. I will be having my first guest, hosting my first guest, next week on the podcast. We're going to talk about the trade deadline and all kinds of other stuff. If you want to find out who it is, make sure you stick around until the end of the podcast, and I will be sure to let you know. Second of all is I'm on Patreon now. Uh, I wanted, The main goal of it is obviously to be, for me to become a full-time content creator. That's the dream. But more than that, I want to do some cool stuff for you guys. I really appreciate the way you have taken the podcast. The warm reception has been overwhelming, so I would love to repay you guys with some cool merch or something like that. I obviously need funds to do that. So, again, I want to make it very clear. There's no pressure here. It's not like I'm going to stop doing the podcast if you guys don't give me your money. But uh, if you could, I would really appreciate it. Um, so the way it works, I got two reward tiers right now for $5 a month. Uh, you get early access to episodes of internal budget. You also get quick hit analysis videos after every game videos. You get to see my pretty face or major event. So anytime something major happens in the world of the sends, whether it's a game trade signing, whatever, I'll do a quick little video with my raw analysis on it. And you get first priority for having questions answered on the show. The second tier, uh, is our all access tier. It's 10 bucks a month. You get everything in the previous tier plus video version of every podcast yes the entire podcast in video form as well as sneak peeks at podcast segments and upcoming written articles Uh, but yeah if you guys have any questions let me know you can hit me up on twitter at brandon mackie six you can also find the link to the patreon in my bio there again seriously no pressure i don't want you guys to contribute if you feel like you can't or don't want to it is totally up to you and i appreciate any and all contributions including contributions of zero dollars with that said let's get on with it here's episode five of internal budget fifth edition, the fifth episode of Internal Budget. Look at us. Who would have thought? They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. Here we are at episode five. Coming to you guys actually from a different location than I usually am, a different studio, shall we say. I'm back in Sudbury, Ontario. It's reading week. I'm back home, and I'm recording in the basement of my parents' house in the little man cave here, all kinds of hockey memorabilia going on. Usually recording in my little apartment in downtown Toronto. So we'll see how this works out. My setup is a little jankier, not as com- uh, not as comfortable as I usually like it. You're probably going to hear this stupid creaking chair the whole time. But hey, we're going to roll with it, baby. That's what we do. We're adaptable. We adapt. We're flexible here at internal budget. So let's get right into it. It is another week gone by one week closer to the end of this miserable season that will hopefully end with at least one star player coming to Ottawa through the draft 
Tuesday, Ottawa lost three to nothing in Colorado. Not as bad as the last time they played the Avs. They honestly had a pretty solid game. Just can't keep up with the with the talent that Colorado has. You're talking Rantanen, you're talking McKinnon, Landis Cog, McCarr. Ottawa just doesn't have the horses. But a valiant effort nonetheless, and a good learning experience for a young team. Thursday yielded a 3-2 win over the Yotes. Yielded over the Yotes. I love alliterations if you can't tell. Uh, again, another really good effort. Uh, Nemesnikov, Brady, and Paul had the goals. Hogberg, once again, man, he's so good. He's having such an awesome year. 32 of 34 saves for him. And uh, he really kept him in it, or kept him in the lead near the end because Arizona was pressing. You could tell they were hungry for that win. And a really nice job by Ottawa to stave them off. Saturday, 4-2 loss to our friendly neighborhood Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, we all love them, especially here on this podcast. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Leafs, if you can't tell. Ottawa played pretty well, in all honesty. The first goal was bad by Hogberg. Uh, the other two he really had no chance on. Toronto added an empty netter, so the gap wasn't as big as it looked. Um, Hoagie got pulled in the second for Craig Anderson. I think it was more of DJ Smith telling his guys to get their asses in gear than it was him having a problem with Hogberg's play. Nevertheless, uh, Toronto won, uh, but got thumped 5-2 Sunday night in Buffalo. So all is right with the universe once again. Speaking of Sunday night, there was another game. A 6 o'clock game against the Dallas Stars. A 6 o'clock game on a Sunday. A 6 o'clock Sens game on a Sunday. In this economy, brutal. In any case, Sens won. Again, two wins in four games this week. So pretty much as good as you can ask for as an Ottawa fan. Uh, Brady Kachuk chipped in another goal. Anthony Duclair had a really nice game. He still hasn't found the back of the net yet. But uh, he's doing all the right things. It's going to come. Artem Anisimov with the game winner in overtime to give the Sens a 4-3 win over the Stars. And as usual, let's jump right in. We're going to keep things rolling here. I don't want to waste any of your precious time. We talked about Marcus Hogberg getting pulled against the Leafs. Like I said, it wasn't really his fault. The Matthews goal was soft. The first goal, but he couldn't see the others. He was screened. Uh, they were they had they were on some pretty good opportunities. Really, no chance for him. So the issue Ottawa's running into now is that they're going to have three goaltenders when Anders Nilsson gets back. Hopefully, he's back soon. He's been out for a while with this concussion. The longer he's out, the more nervous I get. Um, the longer symptoms linger, the often the harder they are to get rid of. So, uh, speaking from experience, there on that one. Really hoping Anders Nilsson is okay and getting the treatment that he needs. So that said, when he comes back, I don't see him getting traded before then. I don't see Craig Anderson getting traded. Whether Ottawa won't trade him or can't trade him, I'm not sure. But I don't see it happening. Postmedia's Bruce Garriock reports that the likely scenario is that Marcus Hogberg will be sent back down to Belleville. I understand the desire to have Anders Nilsson and Craig Anderson playing the NHL games, but this is just not a scenario that Ottawa can't entertain. They can't do this. 
mainly because Hogberg deserves better. He's got a 2.96 goals against average, 0.911 save percentage this year, and only 23 NHL games to his name. Take into account that this is a Sens team that gives up the third most shots per game in the league with only 26 shots for... They're sorry, they're 26th in shots for per game. This guy gets no support. He's 25 years old, getting the brunt of NHL starts for the first time in his career. And he's still putting up these damn good numbers. I mean, look at that save percentage. That's the key here. Wins, whatever. Goals against average, and yeah. But that .911 save percentage on a team like Ottawa's with a young goaltender, I don't know how you can ask for more than that. The guy's proven he's an NHLer now. He's turning 26 this year. And he spent parts of six the last six seasons between the AHL and the ECHL. So now you have him putting up these numbers in Ottawa that are starter caliber NHL numbers. And you want to send him back down to the minors that he's already been in for six years? Like, I don't see how that's conducive to his development. This whole season is supposed to be about developing the kids, not about sparing the egos of veterans. I love Anders Nilsson. I love Craig Anderson. But Marcus Hogberg has earned these starter minutes. Do what you have to do. Rotate one goalie in the press box every night. If you simply must keep all three of them on the roster, then do it that way. Give Hogberg the bulk of the starts. Let Andy back him up most nights. When it's Nilsson's turn to start, have Andy back him up. You want to honor Craig Anderson? You want to still get Anders Nilsson games? That's how you do it. Don't do it at the expense of Marcus Hogberg. And not just Marcus Hogberg. That's the other thing. It's not only him that's going to be affected by this. If you send Hogberg, who, again, playing like a starter NHL goaltender, that's not going to go away when he goes back down to Belleville. So if you send him back down... You have to send another goalie to Brampton of Gustafson and Decord. And Garriock has said it's probably going to be Gustafson. Like, none of this makes sense. Gustafson was AHL goaltender of the month in January. He started off cold. He had a really piss-poor start to the season. And now he's finally starting to get in a rhythm. He's starting to win some games. He's starting to play better. And you're going to uproot all of that to send him back down to that god-awful league, Brampton, for what? Why would you change anything? Belleville's the best AHL team in the league right now. Marcus Hogberg is putting up the best number of his, numbers of his career. Why do you want to screw with any of this? For the first time in a long time, it feels like things are going really well in Ottawa. They're not winning a ton of games, but it feels like things are on the upswing. There's some real positives to take both from Ottawa and Belleville. So why would you change any of it? Keep Hogberg in Ottawa. If you want to send him back down for the playoffs in Belleville, fine. I'm okay with that. Win these kids a Calder at all costs. But for God's sake, keep him in Ottawa. Like, how can you send him down? What more does he have to do? It's ridiculous. Ottawa shouldn't even entertain this notion. It, sh it shouldn't even be in the conversation. Sorry there. Having a little sip of the Dr. Pepper. Don't usually drink pop, but need a caffeine boost. 
had to record this one late. No, that was not an ad for Dr. Pepper. Regardless, the point stands. Keep Hogberg in Ottawa. Keep Gus and Decord in Belleville. Don't worry about the egos of these veterans. I'm not saying they're egotistical guys, not by any means. What I'm saying is don't compromise development to spare their feelings or because you think they're entitled to it. Don't change anything. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's talk about Connor Brown. Not much of a segue there. But let's talk about him. He scored a beauty against the Leafs. Got Ottawa back into the game. They were down 3-0 and he chipped in a nice, really nice goal to finally get them on the board, even though it was the shortest goal horn ever. Shout out to the sound guy. But Brown is now leading the Sens with 36 points. He had 36 points going into the Dallas game. Sorry, I think Duclair is leading the team in points again now. He's one point from an 82-game career high that he hit in 2017. Look, I said when the CC trade happened that Connor Brown made this trade a home run. Putting aside the contract situation with Zaitsev, CC for Zaitsev is a lateral move. Neither of them are really good. I'd rather Zaitsev because I'd rather him be painfully mediocre, as he often is, than just have the egregious errors that Cody CC does. But Brown is an insanely underrated forward that's going to be vital in Ottawa's top six for a long time to come. Like, I'm not saying he's going to blow anyone away on the stat sheet. These numbers are probably going to be an anomaly that he's putting up. I don't expect Connor Brown to be a perennial 50-point type of player. And truthfully, on a good team, which the Senators are not, shocker, I know, he wouldn't be getting the minutes that he's getting. He wouldn't be getting the opportunities that he's getting. On a good team, Connor Brown is an insulator. He's got speed. He's got some strength. He can play those third-line minutes. He can keep pucks deep, keep the other team pinned in their own end, kill penalties, and let the other guys score. Which is kind of funny when you think about it because that's the role that he's primed for. That's the exact kind of player he should be when you take into account his skill set, his body type, his hockey IQ. That's the exact kind of player Connor Brown should be. But he's never really been used that way. Even in Toronto, he wasn't always hemmed in on the checking line. Like He was playing with Matthews and he was playing with Tavares and whoever. So he was even getting like a chance to shine offensively. If you have a checking line with a guy like Connor Brown and maybe a guy like Nick Paul and you get a center with some wheels that can move the puck in transition over your own blue line, that's a big part of a future deep playoff run, man. Like, Look at any, any team that's won the Cup. A big part of it's been their third line, their bottom six. It's the depth that wins these games. Especially in the dog days of the playoffs when everybody's tired, banged up, and hurt. It's effort that wins you a lot of these games. And Connor Brown is that exact type of player. 
And man, he's such a competitor too. Like he was giving the Bruins so many headaches last spring before he got hurt. He was pissing them off to no end. And it's just because he's relentless. He's a bulldog. That's the exact type of guy Ottawa needs to build their team around. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying Connor Brown is going to be putting up 50 points every year. If he puts up 35, 40 points every year, I'm thrilled. 30, I'm good. But he's a guy I really think Ottawa needs to re-sign and keep around long-term. Longer term. Maybe not like eight years, but long-ish term. He's a guy that they should have to plan around for when they're going to be competitive again. Because Connor Brown's the kind of player that'll win you a cup. He's the kind of guy that'll score that random overtime goal that nobody expected him to. He's the guy that'll really get in the head and really keep top lines in check. He's a key guy to have going forward. Scoring players are great. Ottawa's going to get them in the draft. But keep Connor Brown around. Let him bolster your bottom six. And I really think good things are going to happen. I was thrilled when he was included in that trade. I was psyched to have Connor Brown coming to Ottawa. With his level of experience his competitive nature, and the style of player that he is. If he is used in the proper role, if he's used as a checking third-line forward, he's a big part of any competitive team and any team with cup aspirations. A big reason that I really believe that a big reason why Toronto is as worse off as they are now is because they don't have guys like Connor Brown anymore. Their bottom six is just not the same as what it used to be. They're a top-heavy team. They can still score with the best of them. you got some of the best offensive talent in the league in Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares. But those guys can't play every shift. you got to have somebody to hold down the fort when they're not on the ice, and that's what the Leafs haven't had. That and goaltending and defensemen and coaching and management and... But yeah, thanks for Connor Brown, Toronto. Staying on the topic of whether or whether or not to keep guys around, there was a huge, huge trade that happened on Sunday, happened today. I opened my phone when my flight landed here in Sudbury, and I saw everyone was talking about this Devils trade that was just ridiculous. And I'm like, what, what happened? Who does New Jersey have to trade that's crazy? Is it Subban? Like... So I look, and it's Blake Coleman to Tampa Bay for Nolan Foote in a conditional Vancouver Canucks first-round pick. Man, Blake Coleman's a nice player. Like, I obviously don't get to watch him a crazy amount just because, you know, it's my job to cover the Sens. The Sens are my team. Like, I watch them more than anybody else. But he's got 31 points this year. He kills penalties. He's got a Corsi rating hovering right around 50, which is about all you can expect on a team that's just a steaming pile of hot garbage. That's a big ad for Tampa. Like, Tampa is a good team. 
They're so deep and they're so loaded on the top end. They're what Toronto thinks they are or thought they were going to be. But man, is that ever a haul for the Devils? My God. That's a top prospect and a first-round draft pick for a guy who's middle of the lineup. And where this connects to Ottawa is that Darren Dreger is reporting that the Sens would rather re-sign J.G. Pajot than trade him. And I've covered this pretty exhaustively uh, just with my writing at Silver 7. I wrote a piece on why it's exactly time to trade J.G. Pajot. I've covered it on Twitter. I've had a ton of people come at me getting all pissed off at me for saying trade Pajot which I didn't think it was even that controversial, so never ceases to amaze me. And don't get me wrong, like I love, love J.G. Pajot. How could you not? That guy became a kid who nobody really knew who he was, and he turned into one of the biggest heroes in franchise history with those playoff performances. The four-goal game against the Rangers. The debut hat-trick against Montreal. Guy's a legend in Ottawa, and he's always going to be. But if this is the going rate for a guy of that caliber, because Pajot, Pajot actually has more points than Coleman. Like if, if this is what teams are offering for that kind of player... You trade Pajot yesterday. Pierre better be getting on the phone now. And I'm talking like if he's out of minutes, <laughs> if Eugene canceled this corporate plan, he better go find a pay phone or better borrow a phone from Spartacat or Brian 5 or 6 or whoever's hanging out around the arena and get on the phone and get Pajot traded. You can't pass that return up if you're Ottawa. Like, I'm not opposed to keeping Pajot around on a team-friendly deal. He's a really good player. He'd be a good guy to have in that bottom six. Good guy to have to match up against some of the better centers in the league. But you you can't. Like, you're, you're a rebuilding team if you're Ottawa. You're a team that's not looking to be competitive for probably another two, three years, like minimum. You've already got two first-round picks, two top ten picks going into this year's draft in the most stacked draft class in close to two decades. How could you pass up another first? Especially if you're offering a guy who's 27 with a history of injuries. And the argument that I've heard from a lot of people is that, oh, well, you can't trade everybody. Yeah, that's true. But if you can trade Eric Carlson and you can trade Matt Duchesne and you can trade Mark Stone, you can trade J.G. Pajot. 
He is not as valuable as any of those guys. So to justify keeping him is nonsense. If you're going to keep anybody, it's a guy you can re- it's a guy you can build around. A guy like Stone, a guy like Carlson. It's not a middle six ceiling player. And again, not adverse to keeping Pajot. If the Sens can't get a first round pick for him and they want to give him this team friendly deal, I can live with that. I really can. I love Pajot. But if we're talking ideal scenario, if we're talking, I have no doubt that Ottawa can get a first for Pajot, or they at least should be able to. If, if Blake Coleman can get a, a high, high prospect and a first, Pajot should be able to do the same. So if that's the case, what's the benefit of keeping him? Like I said, 27, he's had a major Achilles injury. What happens when he starts regressing? Because up until this year, his point totals were actually regressing. This year has been a complete outlier in his career trajectory. So let someone else take the risk. Because the risk reward is just not there. I'm I'm fairly confident in betting that the Senators can draft a better player than Pajot in the first round. And I'm not saying that lightly because I think Pajot is a great player. But Ottawa's priority should be building prospects and draft capital. Not hanging on to a guy for loyalty reasons. Trade Pajot. Especially for that return. All right, and now it is time for Mackie's Mailbag. Mackie's Mailbag. Somebody please make me a jingle so I never, ever have to do that again. Oh, God, hopefully I remember to take that out in editing. (laughs) As Pan of Sense Call-Up said, what's editing? So we got some great questions again this week. Uh, Thank you so much, as always. I really appreciate it. Please feel free to DM me questions anytime at BrandonMackie6 on Twitter or at InternalBudget. Again, by email, it's uh, internalbudgetpod at gmail.com. I love hearing your questions, your comments, your complaints. Love talking about them. So hit me up. It's a great way to uh, kill time on this here podcast. So this one's from Bat Verp. Great name. Twitter handle is at JVerp, V E R P 1 3. I remember Matt Kachuk saying that Brady was bigger, faster, and had better hands than him when Brady was drafted. I love Brady, wouldn't trade him for his brother, but do you think that he will eventually be faster and have softer hands than his older brother? Obviously, Matt is two years older, and Brady's skating has come a long way, even since last year, but what do you think? Great question. I think Brady has the tools to be a more complete player than Matt. I don't know about more skilled, just because Matt is an incredibly skilled player. Like, the stuff he can do with the puck is insane. That shot through the legs against the Predators earlier in this year was just... That was video game stuff. But Brady's size and his strength and the capacity that he has to put on more muscle without sacrificing speed or 
you know, his frame. I think Brady has the tools to become a Mark Stone caliber player. That's kind of where I see him ending up when his development's finished. <clears throat> I see him being like Mark Stone. So I think Brady will end up being better than Matt, yes. But like more skilled in terms of just hands and speed. Matt's smaller. He's a little more compact. So I don't know about that one, but I think Brady will be better for sure. This one's from Jack. I have a deep cut question. Oh, boy. Do you truly think Chris Phillips deserves to have his jersey retired? In my opinion, it makes it inevitable that Carlson's will one day too. I agree. And Carlson's jersey should be retired. <laughs> Look, it, that's a whole different can of worms than the Phillips question. Um, if you guys want me to answer that one next week, just let me know. But yeah, I do think Phillips deserves to have his jersey retired. I wrote a big article about this in Silver 7 this week. Uh, but essentially the gist of it is Ottawa's been around for not even 30 years yet. Um, close to 30 years now. So you have to start honoring some people. I'm not saying, you know, like, for example, Mike Fisher is my favorite player of all time, but I don't expect number 12 to go to the rafters anytime soon. But when you're talking about Chris Phillips, you're talking about a guy who is the all-time leader in games played, was a true loyal soldier until the very end, never left Ottawa, despite all the turnover, despite Alfredson leaving and Spezza leaving and just the general calamity that this organization has been for the better part of 10 years. I think that deserves to be honored, and I also think Phillips is a criminally underrated player. Defensively, I struggled to find anybody more stout than he was back in the day. So, yeah, uh, Phillips' jersey retirement, I am A-okay with it. I think it should happen. Uh, I wish I could be there, honestly. I was going to try to get to that game, but it didn't work out. But, yeah, definitely Chris Phillips deserves to have his number retired. From my buddy... Spencer Blake, my brother in iced coffee. We are iced coffee hive. Iced coffee hive is us. Iced coffee flows in our veins. What is going to be the biggest win and biggest mistake Dorian makes between now and the deadline? If Nilsson returns before the end of the season, how would you handle the goaltenders? I kind of already answered that one, but I'll glaze over it again. And are you worried that being on a podcast is a waste for someone with a handsome face like yours? Now, that is a question I get all the time they tell me brandon how are you so pretty and how can you just relegate your face to this behind the computer screen it's just not fair folks come on you're too kind uh so biggest win and biggest mistake dorian makes between now and the deadline hmm i think the biggest win if we're talking could be or will be i think obviously the biggest win could be offloading guys like Hainsey and Ennis for solid returns because those will be those ones will be hard to dump. And Isimov especially too. I think the biggest win he will have is I think he will eventually trade Pajot, just based on what I've heard from people close to the organization and my just general sense of the situation. I think Pajot's gone and I think Dorian will get a nice return for him, so that'll be the biggest win. Biggest mistake is would be trading Dylan DeMello. Um, 
Again, I have the sense that DeMello's days in Ottawa are numbered. I think he's going to be gone pretty soon. That's obviously all speculation. It depends on the package. Obviously, if Ottawa can get a nice package for him, then it'll sting a little less. But I think it'll be a mistake letting that guy go. I think he should be around for two to three more years at least. Um, I, I touched on this last week, but so steady. So underrated, just a positive impact on everybody around him. To me, Demel is a guy you keep around. Um, and yeah, as far as the goaltenders go, I would have Hogberg start the bulk of the games unless he completely falls off a cliff and rotate the other guys to the press box. That would be how I handle it. Last one from Tate, the regular. Love this guy. Where do you want to see current sends ending up post deadline? Also, I'm going to the Belleville game tomorrow, and I'm on the fence about which jersey to get, Norris or Branstrom, red, white, or black. So first of all, you got to go red. Uh, I got one of the red barber poles for Christmas. I absolutely love it. It is gorgeous. They look even nicer in person. Number two, this one is tough. You could flip a coin for this one. I will say Branstrom because I think he's going to have a better NHL career than Norris. Not that Norris isn't going to be great. And it'll be pretty cool that when, you know, Eric Branstrom's winning his first Norris trophy that you can look back and say, hey, I got a Belleville Sens Eric Branstrom jersey. So that's my answer there. Where do I want to see current Sens ending up post-deadline? I'm not too picky, honestly. It depends on who. And it depends on the package. So I would like to see maybe Pajot go to a Boston perhaps because I don't mind their prospects pool or their young players. In terms of picks, um, I think there are teams that are primed to have good picks taken from them. Teams like the Islanders strike me as that kind of team. But honestly, I'm not really picky at all. Uh, as long as Ottawa gets a good return, then it's all gravy for me. And let's get to the Belleville Beast of the Week. Thank you again for your questions. Uh, that was awesome. I love answering them, so keep them coming every week. Let's try to end this thing as soon as we can because we are getting pretty long on this version of the podcast, actually. Getting longer every week. I'm going to start boring you guys pretty soon. So Belleville Beast of the Week, he has four points in his last three games. 33 points in total in 40 games on the season, despite the fact that he just had one uno a solitary point in January. Folks, you guessed it for the first time. It is Vitaly Abramov. I think this kid is going to have a really nice career in the NHL. I think he's going to be a really good second or first line scoring winger, um, especially when he gets his feet underneath him a little more at the pro level. I really think this is going to end up being a good pickup for Ottawa. I love Abramov. I can't say enough about him. Really, really, really good pickup by Dorian. He is your... Belleville Beast of the Week. Folks, once again, as always, thank you so, so much for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to try to keep doing this every week, obviously, and we're going to keep things going from there. And as promised, we're going to announce the first guest of Internal Budget. This person will be joining me on next week's podcast, episode six, episode Wade Redden. He is a person you all know and love. He is what I would characterize as an analytics geek, meaning he is far smarter than me. He is also my birthday twin. 
We have the same birthday, same year and everything. And a staff writer, editor for Silver7Sends.com. Folks, joining me on next week's podcast is Colin Cudmore. You can find him on Twitter at CudmoreColin. Ask him, hey man, why the hell are you going on this Bush League podcast with Brandon Mackey, that goofball? Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, It has been an absolute pleasure as always. Be sure to hit me up on Twitter at BrandonMackey6 or at InternalBudget. And make sure to find me on Patreon. I will obviously post a link. Whatever you can spare, I would really appreciate it. I'll make sure to get some exclusive content that's worth your while. If not, no pressure whatsoever. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. The pre-trade episode, uh, pre-trade deadline episode of Internal Budget. Make it a good week. 